Broadcasting from the Wella offices, direct from the Atlanta Tech Village, you're listening to The Incubator, the voice of the Atlanta Tech startup scene. The Incubator is a weekly show featuring Atlanta-based startup founders, influencers, and entrepreneurs. Who they are, what drives them, and how they plan to change the world. Today's show is made possible by Wella, helping you on your financial journey every step of the way. And now, here are today's hosts. All right, Stags and Schnick back with you in the incubator. I'm your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Ashley Staggs. Hello, my dear. How are you? This is going to be a fun conversation. Yeah, today. I'm excited about this one. This is going to be a good one. Beginning month two of your uh, co-hosting of this show, off and running. So far, so good. Yeah, I think so. I notice I have like a, a radio voice that I I think I'm faking it. I'm not sure. But when I listened to the first one, I was I was impressed with myself. Well, we're completely changing it in post-production, <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> That's the, you're too high-pitched. Turn her down. <laughs> <laughs> she sounds like a girl. Let's do something about that. <laughs> All right. Well, we do have a fun conversation today. Uh, we're joined by Martin Fleischman, CEO and co-founder of Farago Comics. Marty, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. You can auto-tune my voice in post-production, too. We're going to make you sound like Barry White. Yeah, I want to like, sound like I'm on Glee. <laughs> to sound better. All right, that's one negative on you already. Uh-huh. We haven't even started. My kids watch it, not me. Sorry, uh-huh, I did. Used to. Uh-huh. Likely Over. story. That's what we all say. All right. Well, Marty, uh, gosh, I'm quite sure the ATV crowd is all too familiar with you. But uh, for the benefit of our audience, take a few quick seconds. Tell us a bit about you and your background, and then give us a, a high level view of Farago Comics. What do you do? How are you trying to serve your market? I had a company that was an internet lead generation company in the 2000s called Most Choice, which was an insurance internet lead gen. And uh, we had to overcome some of early year troubles, kind of be a dot-com 2.0 survivor. Went from being a general agency to selling leads and figured that out. And we're very early with Google uh, in AdWords and then got good at SEO. Grew that company organically, basically after some early investment. Grew it to, uh, I think our best year was 8 million revenues Mm -hmm. with high margins. And then we had a 10 million run rate. And we were um, number 80 on the Inc. 500 uh-huh. in 2006, I think it was. We beat out Beyond, which was a far bigger company. There but you we, go. But we, nice. had just like, we were like 11,000% growth. They were like 10,800, and they were like a $100 million company. And we, we beat them out, which I think pissed them off a little bit. But, <laughs> um, but we won that, and, and we won, I'm sorry, we, we beat them out for the number one fastest growing technology company in Georgia in 2006. So we were in 80 and Inc. 500 separately, and then we beat them out for that, and then the next year, number four. So we were doing very well. We ended up trans- getting taken over by a bigger player, NetQuote, which got bought out by Bankrate in- Insurance, and I transitioned that company over to them, um, ran it for a year here, and then they kind of consolidated it all together. And then I was looking at other things to do, um, got into some online education work, uh, working for a company here. I-, I started a company called Energy Fool, which is I still have a site for it, but it was basically trying to generate energy leads, energy efficiency leads. Realized that that was probably going to be hard to generate those kinds of leads in a way that I could make good margin or that there was enough demand for it. So I pretty much stopped doing that, got into the online education world for a little while to help a company that was in turnaround. Then I went and worked out at um, the largest nonprofit online university out in Salt Lake uh, that a friend of mine was helping run or was, had come in to be the number two guy. Uh, back in early 2014. In the, while I was doing all that, um, back in mid-2012, a couple guys came to me and said, hey, we've got this really interesting idea with comic books. 
And um, one of them had worked, uh, Matty Ryan, who's a co-founder uh, and the original idea for this, had worked at Marvel Comics back in the early 2000s, in 2003, 2004, and knew a lot of the creators as an artist and letterer uh, himself, said, you know, creators can't really make any money the way comic books happen today. If you try and do your own, if you're an independent and try and do your own print run, you make almost nothing, maybe a small page rate, and the publisher pretty much has all the control. If you try and sell it online, you have no real marketing support, and there's very, you maybe make a a slightly higher percentage, but very few sales are happening online because nobody really wants to own a digital download. You don't own anything. Mm -hmm. So creators are really starving artists, and there's got to be a better way. We think there's a better way to just make it published digitally, only digitally, forget this whole print side, and help creators make more. And I thought that was an interesting idea. Uh, I said, is there enough great stuff that's not DC and Marvel, you know, and the, the superheroes we all know? And they gave me all this uh, stack of, of content, and I was looking at it, I thought it was great. And so I was kicking the tires on it for a while. I went off and did this online education stuff for a while, because um, the other co-founder, Isham Colasetti, who had done some initial wireframes for it, was going off getting married, and we were all kind of busy with things. And I came back to it again then in late summer, fall of 2013, and said, you know, if we're going to get serious about this, got to create a deck and got to go out and, you know, I, I could invest some money in it. Um, I didn't have a huge pot uh, there, but I said, you know, we got to see if there's demand for this and, and try and go out to investors. And so I created a deck and started talking to people. And I ended up running into basically having lunch with a friend of mine, Matt Lieberman, who loved the idea. So we sp- talked for an hour about it. And I said, you know, any angel venture? He goes, oh, I might be interested in this. And he was interested to come in and, and be part of it and be a partner and bring a lot of connections he, you know, he had. And he became our chief development officer. And so we raised kind of an initial seed round of 200,000 bucks which I'm pretty open about, I've told people about, we set about actually developing this. And so we did this kind of part-time, the beginning, first half of 2014, had a firm build our first iPad version of Farago Comics. Then we went to San- we went to some Heroes Con in, in Charlotte, went to San Diego Comic Con in July. We were hoping to launch there. We weren't quite ready, so we launched here at Dragon Con mm-hmm. here in Atlanta. It's a pretty good uh, place to launch. Yeah, we thought so. I, mean, we were li- I was really like nervous because it like, hadn't hit the store yet, and we were trying to get them to speed it up, and they, they literally launched on noon, like as we were starting to give people cards and lines about Farago, <laughs> it like hit the Apple store. Were you surrounded by slave layers? Uh, there were a few. Yeah. Uh, there was a guy with a Mar- Mario, like, cla- <laughs> like a Mario <laughs> thing. And I remember giving a card and saying, oh, it's up, it's available, you were here when it's finally up in the Apple store. Um, but that was an iPad-only version, and then we followed with an Android version. We had some folks here in the village, um, the guys at Ten Rocket, who are buddies of ours, and Justin and Chris, um, uh, Justin built our uh, Android version, which is really a mobile, oh, okay. web, mobile web version for Android. Um, and we did that in time, I think just in time, almost for New York Comic Con. But it was, those were very early versions, and we've you know, had to go through a lot of refinements and kind of started beta testing really finally this last spring and summer um, for actually user acquisition. So we, we've been kind of in this prolonged beta stage, mm-hmm. but we're getting very close now to really emerging from that. Very cool. And it's a freemium See. model, right? So it's kind of like Spotify for comic books. Thank you. You, you, you've you heard like something. You've read something. That's exactly <laughs> did right. Did my research. You did. Yeah. That's so. That's the new thing. That's what I was excited about. What as I looked at this is that there are no freemium models in comics. It's the the duopoly, the big two of the Marvel and DC have never wanted to do ads. It's all about paper book and Comixology, which is a big now has become the leading digital player in selling comic books online. They're basically a supermarket for every publisher's books and a bunch of independents. If you just want to buy a book and download it digitally, pay the same $4 
an issue for a new Batman or Superman or Spider-Man or whatever it is, you pay four bucks for a digital download from them, but you can get everybody. And they sell some older issues for a little less, but it's still a very small percentage of sales in comic books are going digitally, maybe 10 to 12%. doesn't make any sense in this day and age because everything's digital, right? But it's because nobody wants to buy a digital. Why would I pay the same amount that I pay for a, a print copy that I can actually read and look at again and sell again? I mean, all these collectors will buy print because even if they're not, it's not going to be worth a lot, they can sell it for two or three bucks later, and they want to own it. They want to refer back to it. Digital, you don't do that. So we said, you know, the right model for digital content is streaming, right? I mean, what's happened to music? Mm -hmm. My kids used to pay 99 cents for app, you know, on iTunes. Mm -hmm. Nobody does that anymore. My kids would, will never pay. Nobody pays for music anymore. You pay maybe eight or 10 bucks a month for Spotify if you want the premium, or you just get free Spotify, free Pandora, or they rip it from YouTube, you know, whatever they want to do. Content has become much more of just digital stream and I'll just have all you can eat, please. Comics have never gone that way. There's been a few subscription services that have tried to do it, which without much success, because they're like 10 bucks a month and people don't know enough of these great series and titles that are out there. They're not going to pay for that up front. Now, Marvel has, an, has a back catalog service for Mar called Marvel Unlimited that's about 10 bucks a month. They have some people doing that because that's a pretty big brand, of course. We think the best model is to do it this way. So you offer a lot of great content free. So we're now at over 175 series and 550 to 600 books. I should wow. know that exact number, but I think we're close to 600 right now. We, we add new books all the time. We've got top independent creators. We've got uh, Paul Jenkins, who actually lives outside Atlanta, who was a big creator for uh, Batman, Spider-Man, was the first employee at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, he's a big name in the industry. We've got his Sidekick series and his Fairy Quest uh, graphic novel. Um, we've got uh, Andrew Jenkins, who last year won the Eisner Award, the big award in comics for the graphic novels for The Fifth Beetle, which is being made into a movie. It's about Brian Epstein, their manager. Great book. We've got Joe Pruitt, um, who's also here in the Atlanta area and creating a new comic book company. Uh, we've got Top Cow, Creative Impulse, Caliber. We've got all these great smaller publishers. Now we then we got Valiant and IDW, who are actually pretty big players. IDW is the number four player. Valiant is kind of number five or six, but with a bullet. They've got the largest superhero universe outside of Marvel and DC, and they just got a huge investment by a, a, and, and a movie deal with a Chinese producer. The place that produced Iron Man three is now backing them for a set of movies, and Sony is, uh, is creating them. So they've got a big deal with Sony Pictures to create Bloodshot and Exo Man of War and Harbinger. They've got a lot of great series. And we've got all of their series, like the first three books of all their series that they relaunched in 2012. So we've got a lot of great stuff on there. People just, you come in and you can just read whatever you want and just discover what you like. Oh, that sounds very, very cool. I mean, it's, we were talking pre-show about... Spotify and and we talk about Uber. I mean, Uber is disrupting the, the the auto market. Spotify and Pandora. I guess to some extent we'll see longer term if Apple Music, but how they're they're disrupting the music industry. Do you envision is the goal that Farago and there's other apps out there? I mean, is the goal here to disrupt the Marvel and the DC world? I mean, I think it's a seems to be a different model. That no, I'll tell you two things. Yes, disrupt. Yes, but not disrupt in a negative sense. We're, I call it positively disruptive, <laughs> right? We're positively disruptive because everybody loves what we're doing. The creators and the publishers are not, we're not fighting them. They love it because our whole goal, and I didn't even talk about the market sizing and all this, but there's only maybe half a million people who buy comic books, print comic books any given month. There's about four or five million people who go to you know, these Comic-Cons, dress up, 
they maybe download digitally illegally. There's a couple, at least a couple million people who illegally download comics every month because they don't want to pay and it's faster and easier. So we think there's four or five million people who love this, love this stuff, but rarely ever buy. And then there's 50 million people who like comic books a lot and like geek culture. They maybe um, go to shows every once in a while, but they maybe love Flash or Gotham or you know Agents of Shield, all these different kind of uh, Walking Dead, of course, mm-hmm. as it came from a comic book, a very good independent comic book. And what you find is there just needs to be more exposure. Something like Walking Dead hits it big on TV, and suddenly you've got millions of fans who now go back to the comic book and say, geez, I want to go back to the source material. Certainly Game of Thrones, Big Bang Theory. I mean, geek culture, it's, it's part of our thesis. Geek culture has taken over popular culture. And so we want to kind of ride that and say, hey, come back and and see where it all, how it all started. People I think have this little piece in their pleasure center in their brain for comic books. Everybody loves graphic novels and comic books because it's fun. It's easy. When you're a kid, you loved picture books. And so we think there's another huge segment of kids who grew up on video games and animation and all this who really love graphic novels, but their parents don't really want to buy, spend a lot of money on it. And I've had parents come to me and say, this is awesome because I'm spending a good bit of money on graphic novels and they go through them like that. Right. And so if there's this service that's you know, free and even if it's five bucks a month to get more uh, later, you know, far worth it, you know, well worth it for me. So we want to be positively disruptive and all the creators and publishers love this because they're fighting over this half a million to a million people, and we're saying, hey, look, we're going after 100 million people, right, who would, who would for free would come check this out, and some percentage of those will snag into kind of regular readers, and, and we'll move them up the chain. And if they read the first three or four issues of this series, and we say, here's where you go to get more, or you know, maybe upgrade to a premium, and you can get more with us, and you can get more from them. So we, we, we want to be the entree for everybody else to get back into this new golden digital age of comic books. Got it. I love that. Positive disruption. Good stuff. All right. Marty Fleischman will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This is Wes Moss, former host of Atlanta Tech Edge on NBC in Atlanta. I'm here today, though, to talk to you about my new digital financial advisory firm, Wella. Well is an old English word that means wealth. Several years ago, my team realized there were too many people who needed help with their financial strategy, but couldn't get the help they needed because they didn't reach the high investment minimums of many financial advisory firms. To answer this need, we developed Wella, a digital platform that allows us to help people just like you get free financial advice and tools to better manage their finances. We also offer online investing and the ability to work with your own investment advisor with no minimums. Learn more at yourwella.com. That's Y-O-U-R-W-E-L-A.com. All right, and we're back with Martin Fleischman, CEO and co-founder, Farago Comics. Okay, there is a print comic book sitting in front of me with a terrifying picture on the front of it (laughs) uh, called Shrinkage, which is, this picture is not what I think of when I hear that word. So why don't you tell us what this is? This is you, you guys are doing some content yourselves, right? Yes, so we created a series. Part of our idea, other than being a Spotify for comics, is ultimately to evolve into kind of being like a Netflix for comics as well, in that we can help creators who don't normally create for comic books get into comic book creation as well. So our tagline is comic book freedom. And the idea is that it's, it's double meaning. It's freedom for readers, clearly, but it's also freedom for creators to be able to create more and more often and, and expand the pool of creators. So we um, had a relationship or got to know Rob Kuttner, who is a writer for The Daily, was a writer for The Daily Show, is now a senior writer for The Conan Show. He loves comic book stuff, had had this idea, had an idea for a while about a comic book, a graphic novel kind of adventure called Shrinkage. Um, but it's really more like a fantastic journey kind of mm-hmm. idea where 
Uh, in this one, the president's brain is under attack or has been invaded by these little micro-alien invaders uh, who, who want to feed on radiation, so they're trying to get him to start a nuclear war so they can feed on the Earth's radiation. And so they have to, you know, have this kind of unmatched uh, little government team of a retired, crusty old general and a female scientist who's got mommy issues, you know, kind of uh, <laughs> coming together, and they, and they get shrunk down together in this special little craft to go in and fight the aliens. And so it's an eight-part series. We did a Kickstarter, a $30,000 Kickstarter, which we just, you know, barely got over the top on there in, in April, and we got some coverage for that. We got on Fox Business News with Rob, Rob and I were interviewed, and we got a Washington Post article about what we're doing and called the Kickstarter of the Week. So we got some play on it because, you know, there's not a lot of people kind of coming from the TV world creating comic books. But that's what we wanted to show is that it can be done. So we paired him with a, a very famous, great artist, John Lucas, who's an artist for X-Men and Deadpool and, you know, big Marvel DC uh, artist, who, you know, for a, basically a page rate and a percentage of it is doing all the artwork. Uh, we we produce the whole thing, so we have a chunk of the rights to it as well. Rob usually doesn't like it when I say this, but I could easily see this thing being made into a movie. I mean, when you when you take an interesting idea and you create for twenty five or 30000 bucks a comic book series out of it, it's like a storyboard for a movie, right? I mean, it's this is why we, we've talked to some Hollywood writers at San Diego Comic-Con. They love this idea because it's so hard to get a movie made, um, but it's so relatively inexpensive to pair them with an artist and get a comic book or graphic novel made. Now, I'm assuming that's the long-term play with this thing, right? I'm, I'm thinking about Netflix who's now put, make, producing its own, own House, movies. House I mean, of Cards. I, mean, I, I got to think that's the long-term vision of this thing. It's part of it. I mean, we're not really trying to be necessarily a publisher and like compete with anybody but the idea is to open up free up the world bring back a golden age of comic book um, readership and creation and the way to do that is to just spur um, originality so we want all these great artists who've got stuff which we've got on here now on the platform to give us their work and we can expose it but we also want to create new great stuff and yes we'll own some of the rights to that and if it, if this sells for a movie for a million bucks you know we've made some money that's great <laughs> that'll be a, you know i wish that happens on the other side the, the studios are all looking for great new content because they've all got these tie-ins and there's a couple of studios that don't have tie-ins we've talked with about maybe someday having first look deals that come out of our platform we actually broker some of those deals between creators and their work and these studios um, but you know, it's geek culture's taken over. So on TV and movies, you just can't, ex you know, get rid of the, or escape the fact that nine out of the ten top properties are all from comic books. How are you securing these creators and some of these really huge names? I mean, I know for me, when I'm comparing Spotify, Apple Music, Prime Music, which I did not know existed, um, I'm looking at the artists that they have. You know, everyone freaked out when Taylor Swift left Spotify, and it's kind of based on that. So how are you getting these names, being such a new player in this game? Um, two things, uh, because comic books are not music, uh, because it, it, it's desperately crying out for more exposure. Mm -hmm. It's been considered, it's gone, it's, it, this paper book model has pulled it back into these small, generally not so nice comic book stores that are very clubby and unfriendly. It, it's crying out to, it, to get exposure to a wider audience. So there's not a lot of Taylor Swifts. And even right. the, the big Taylor, you know, even the, even the big stars in comic books are not making tons of money, Right. Um, there's a couple maybe who, you know, who are. And if you can sell your stuff at full price, great, do it. We're not trying to step on anybody's toes. We want back catalog and things that people are no longer really selling very much and just get people into it. 
At some point, though, as we get bigger and we get a million, two million, several million users of this thing, we become a major distribution channel like Netflix did. I mean, Netflix struggled for a long time to kind of build up a base. Once you build up that base, then yes, you've got an audience. If 100,000 in sales is a big, it's, it's like a leading comic book in a month right now. If we've got a couple million users and we put out a new comic book and we get 10%, I, mean, I think House of Cards gets 10% viewership of the Netflix base within a week or two. Uh, if we do that, we'll have 200, 250,000 readers of a comic book, and it's the biggest comic book in the country. Mm -hmm. So we think there's tremendous potential to do that. Again, it's, it's helping everybody. If we bring more and more people into the world and they start discovering other things that happen, I think everybody's going to be very happy. No, I agree with you. It's a wicked cool model. How are you going to monetize this? Um, oh, yeah, I think you'd ask that. Well, to begin with, we have ads, right? So it's like Spotify, Pandora, the free version. Every three or four pages of comic book content, you get a full page ad. And it's made intentionally like a magazine where it's not intrusive on the story. It's mm -hmm. not banner ads. It's nothing flashing or blinking. You just read three pages and you flip over the next page and boom, there's a full page ad on a tablet. It looks beautiful, high resolution. On a phone, it's a nice full page ad. And then you just, Android, you just swipe through it. I think on iPad or iPhone right now, you just exit out. Boom, you just on to the next page. So the idea is it's not to be intrusive. We use, we're partnered with Opera Media, which is the largest ad mediation platform out there who loved our idea, loved the potential. And they said, look, we were early with Pandora. They serve all Pandora's ads. They serve like 3 billion ads a day, uh, Opera. And they said, we see the, your potential to really scale and get big, and we'll give you whatever you need. And they haven't charged us a dime. I mean, they set up all sorts of custom reporting for us. So we know every time you're in a book, and, you, and there's an ad call made. We know kind of the demographics because all we ask is your gender, your age, and your reading level, kids, teen, and adult. You can give us email if you want or you don't have to if you want to be on our weekly list of what's new. We know then the demographics of, of every ad call that's made in what book, and they can put on geography and all that. So we have data. That's the other reason publishers love this is as opposed to just giving out a digital download not knowing what happens, we can tell you how many people are reading your book what demographics are reading your book, when maybe they stop reading the book. We can give them all that. They don't get any data. Even Comixology doesn't really give them any data. That's, in this day and age, big data is the thing. And it's not even big data. It's just usage data. So everybody likes that. So certainly ads is a way to make some revenue. It's not high, very low revenues right now with low audience and low ad rates. As we get bigger and we can be more targeted about advertising, have more people, the ad, ad component will go up. We do a 50-50 rev share with the creators or content owners so that the idea is they can make a better percentage and better money. Um, but then as we get bigger, clearly there's premium subscriptions, which might be five or six bucks a month. Um, and then this rights, this idea of we, we might have take a small percentage of rights for independent creators that we help kind of uh, expose further and, and get over to producers. Um, we'll have a larger share of the rights of things we produce. Beyond that, there, there are some other ways. You know, there's merchandise, um, which we're going to get into at some point pretty soon. And then there's... I forgot about that. Yeah. So we can offer T-shirts and hats and all sorts of fun stuff related to any of the kind of characters or books and handle that for all these creators. We can be the, the business side for all these creators. They can be the artist and just produce, and we can be the business side merchandising and monetizing their audience, right? It, it's a lot like TV. Forget Spotify and Pandora. What's TV been? It's been an ad-supported free model for years. And then cable came in and kind of made it, well, pay and ads. But in the end of the day, these broadcast networks give you nice, great content and you agree to watch ads. And that's why DVRs were such a big deal because people could start skipping the ads and advertisers were upset. But we, we offer, I think, a better ad experience 
for these advertisers because we can be very targeted and they can know they can reach these demographics. And they can, we, we can target demographics by uh, genre and book. So if we can get a sponsor who just wants to sponsor the science fiction or maybe a, a cool new movie is coming out and they just want to be in books where they think there are readers who would like that movie. You know, there's all sorts of things that can happen once we really get in it. How are you planning to build this audience? So where are you guys right now kind of in that evolution? Good point. We're early in that. I mean, we've we've gotten out, we've been at some shows and done some presence marketing there just as kind of some believers and hand out cards and all that. Um, and that's why you have a print copy of this. That's not your usual model though, correct? Exactly. We never really do print, but we did this for kind of a number one, you know, launch of Shrinkage and Rob Cutner was out there and the Conan show was taping, got to go see the Conan show. Oh, you better keep yours. So actually. this is limited edition. It is. Limited. It's very limited. I'm yes. putting this in glass. Yeah, put in, like, in like 50 years, <laughs> your, your child's going to have a, a, a shrinkage number one. It's yeah, this like is their college dollars. fund right here. That's why we did it. We sold them for like three bucks at San Diego and we had Rob signing them and all that. I think we might have a signed copy for you. Yes. That's two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, who knows? Maybe you know, five years down the line, this gets made into a movie and it gets made into a big thing and then people are like, wow, this thing's worth something. So, um, Give me so, this back. Yeah, you can keep that one. That's, <laughs> we, got, we, we got enough right now. But um, no, that's the idea is that uh, it, it just can evolve in a lot of ways. I think I lost your question. What We're was going where, uh, how are you going in the audience? So oh, you've, we've gone to some of the shows where we know these people already are, right? Right, we want to be very credible with the base and very credible with the creators. So a lot of what we've done is really to meet creators and, and uh, uh, publishers to get more content on. We've been building the content. We, I, I did some Facebook testing basically in the spring and the summer, first for likes, and we've grown our likes to 43,000 likes on Facebook. It's basically, a lot of likes. basically with nice. a, a very simple ad that says, free app for free comics, you know, and, you know, I was getting it for 28, 30 cents a like, which was good. I stopped doing that, started doing these cost per download, trying to get, you know, user acquisition, install, testing, work that down in cost, trying different creatives. And then I went back to doing some likes for a while and I was getting it at half as much because I figured out the creatives that kind of appealed to people and getting likes for like 15 cents, you know, which is very good. And these are real people. They're not fake likes. They're real likes. It's a real ad focused right on people who like Marvel and DC and other types of comic books. So Facebook has been really good for being able to get right to the demographics of people we know already like comics. And there's 47 million self-professed likers of comic books on Facebook right now, just in the US. This We're not even talking internationally. And that's a very vocal audience. So, I mean, they're, they're not hiding. It's very easy to find them on Facebook. So I I like that. I'm a big uh, old-time kind of Google AdWords guy, so I haven't even done much with that yet, but I know we'll, we can do keyword searching. And I think what we found is that the digital advertising, getting people when they're looking or they're interested and getting them to pop right over to our download page in the Apple Store or Google Play is by far the fastest, easiest, most effective way. Because when you give people cards at conferences and all that, they're busy, they're walking around, they're doing a million things, the connectivity is really awful, and they have to remember to kind of pull out that card later and go and download. We've been doing a lot of that testing and now we're doing a fundraising round so that when we're really ready to merge from beta, we'll, we'll start hitting it. And we'll talk about it. that capital raise in a minute, uh, but you know, you mentioned the geek culture earlier. There, and to your point, Ashley, I mean, there's always been a geek culture, but for many, many years, probably a couple generations, it was hidden, right? That's the beauty of what Facebook and social media and the modern communication ability gives them a voice and a platform now, right? Man, it's a great time to do what you're doing. Yep, no question. All these, you know, small communities could kind of band together. And then you look at, you know, Big Bang Theory kind of made it cool to be a nerd, fun to be a nerd in a sense, and all these other uh, shows that did. Uh, beyond that, I think, yeah, just the internet. An article in the New York Times last year said it's really the rise of the internet's fostered it because it used to be being a nerd was knowing arcane facts about shows, yep. <laughs> right? Knowing Star Wars and Star Trek, hey, remember on this episode this happened. Now anybody can look that up. If you're interested in it, it's very easy to get that knowledge. 
and um, and it's easy to go onto Netflix or these other things and watch and binge watch old issues, uh, old episodes. My kids do that all the time with all these different shows, How I Met Your Mother and Friends and all these things. They 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 sit and binge watch for months. Um, so I think that's all the technology's helped and all the social has helped. And it's it's no longer uncool, right? And so you know the geeks have taken over, and it's no longer geeky. It's just kind of fun. Well, no, I think it's just general culture. I mean, I think it's we're all geeks in some way, shape, or form yeah. because of access to cool content such as this. So we mentioned uh, this capital raise that you're in, in the midst of. You you said at the top of the show that you had a successful seed round, but now you're you're doing some more capital. So walk us through what's going on with that. I, I call it late seed stage because it's it's a pre-series A, but it's an eight hundred thousand million dollar kind of round. Or we call it eight hundred thousand, and the idea is to just do some final. Uh, updates to the app and all that, and then really start launching it more to fans. We've we were talking with folks here in Atlanta for you know a couple months because we're here in Atlanta. We want to stay. Everybody we talk to in comics is like, hey, are you in New York? Are you in L.A.? Because that's where media really is. And we said, no, we're in Atlanta, but there's a media hub here, and there's music, and there's movies, and there's digital gaming. Uh, so we think we can be kind of at the a center of kind of a, a an emerging digital media hub here in Atlanta. It's been harder to find good investors here in Atlanta who know that space, who are comfortable with B2C. Even though we've got Turner here, there's not a lot of media investing early stage. This kind of thing, it's, it's more akin to Yik Yak. I mean, Yik Yak has no revenue model, really. They're not trying to. But they raised a million-dollar seed round after they got a little traction. Then all their money pretty much came from outside. And we've kind of found that same thing, is that really to find the people who know this space and are psyched about it. Um, it's you know somebody from Chicago, somebody from New York that we're in deep discussions with now, somebody from L.A. who could be a big home run swing. Uh, we, we've got, and we, we do have a couple of Atlanta folks who are really interested in psyched and participate. But to find a leader for that round, you've got to have somebody who gets the vision. Everybody gets the idea. They think it's a fun idea, but they don't know how well it can be adopted. But we've, uh, we at this point now, uh, I th- we think we've identified the right kinds of folks. It sounds like it. sharing the, the long-term vision of this thing, to me, I would think would be very appealing to a potential investor because uh, there's all kinds of, and there's, there's other existing models that are proven how they're working that I think make this very well, appealing. Well, I, I can tell you, we have talked with some big name venture capital firms, a couple of the biggest names out in Silicon Valley, which we happened to kind of meet and had some connections to, and they love it. Um, but they're like, you know, when you're talking Series A and when you're more kind of at your subscription, once you've got the subscription model working, then they're a lot more interested. But in this early stage, it's a little early for them, right? So we have to get, we, this is the, the hard part of any startup is getting that early ramp and that we've got traction on all these different sides. You can't go to investors and say, what's your revenue traction? We're not at a revenue stage yet. But at some point, you know, at some point we will be. You have to prove people are going to pay for it. Yeah, we're, at, we're right. more at an user stage and a yeah. retention stage. And, and, and even that, the stats haven't been correct because it's been early versions of the app. But we've gotten good feedback in the app. We've figured out how to shorten registration, how to make some things better, some other changes. We don't even have push notifications in the app yet. And for any app that you're trying to get users to really come back to, you have to have push notifications. So some of those things we're putting on there now, or about to put on there, and then we'll really be ready for prime time. Are you recruiting right now, talent? Not, not, not actively. Cr- not content creators, but looking for a developer? I mean, looking for um, yeah, we, we are going to need a lead developer. We've pretty much done it all kind of contract out of house, and that's, it's probably gone slower than we'd like. So especially once we raise this round, we're going to really want a really good full-time internal developer who can kind of full stack, kind of work on everything, you know, not just the iOS and Android sides, but our site and uh, our back end and all that. So somebody to be a lead developer and a well, path. If you're, if you're a geek, what a cool gig this might be. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. It's fun being here at the Atlanta Tech Village, I'll tell you. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's just a great hub I've found. I mean, I'll give a plug for the village because 
the other thing I haven't mentioned is that you know when Shark Tank was here in town in April and stuff, you know we got you know invited to audition and we got it. We made it through the cast. The casting people loved this, and so we're kind of in the producer phase of Shark Tank. Oh, cool! And um, you know we're probably a little early for them too. But at some point when we're ready, if you get on that show, there's 10 million people who see it, and we could get a million downloads like that. Um, so. The, being here in the village, you know, made that happen really, and uh, a lot of people we've met, and uh, a connection to somebody who could be a great investor, you know, just happened here, and all sorts of great things happen when you're in a hub. No um, doubt about it. No doubt about it. Well, hearing about the Shark Tank thing, the value of this has increased just a wee bit too. So <laughs> hold on to it. So very, very excited. Don't, don't crease it. I won't. I'm, I'm going to frame it. Well, uh, Marty, uh, running low on time, uh, as you know, the Wella makes uh, the incubator possible. So it's time for our Wella question of the week, which is, what's the best piece of financial advice you have ever received or given? I know when my my last business was going well and I had money. Um, I was making investments, and I my first one did very well. I invested in something that like doubled in a year, and I was like, "I'm a great investor. This is easy. <laughs> wow, this is awesome." So I started like investing in all these, you know, friends' companies and doing the, all being like this mini venture capitalist. And then I discovered what venture capitalists discovered that you know four <laughs> out of five basically tanked. And I had one that actually just this last year, a year ago, uh, succeeded. Actually, I made a little investment in Contact at once, which sold out the live person for a lot. So that one win kind of made up for a lot of my losses. Being a venture capitalist is tough. Um, so it's better to have a component that's always safe. And then if you've got, you know, a component that's your risky kind of uh, venture money, whether it's stocks or, or private equity, things like this. And the good investment I made back then when I had money is I put I maxed out contributions to 529B plans for my kids. Good job. And I pulled, the smart thing I did is at the end of 2007, I pulled at least my oldest one and the others too, mostly out of the market entirely because I felt the market was high and something was going to happen. So I kind of avoided the big crash. Mm -hmm. um, and then we put him half back into stock. So he's so his college is fully funded, which is nice. Very nice. Um, and that was that and investing in my house were like the conservative investments I made, which which I think I was happy I did. Good so, stuff. So so mix it up. There you go. Which is what everybody Diversify says. your portfolio. Diversify, absolutely. Well, Marty, I, uh, uh, and by the way, that was our Wellit question of the week. So, Marty, before we let you go, uh, how can people contact you should they want to learn more? Where can they go to, to get more information about Farago Comics, and where do they find the app? Well, I'll start with the last one. You find the app on the Apple App Store or Google Play. Just look up Farago. It's F-A-R-R-A-G-O. It's like Farago with two R's. And we, you didn't ask what it means, which... It, All right, well, and tell I'll, us what I'll it means. I'll tell people... You, you might have to look it up. I, I should make, leave it a mystery, but Why don't we do that? it's an ancient English. It's an English agrarian term. Interesting. And it, and it has it has a meaning relative to what we're doing too as a mixture. Oh. But you can look us up on the Apple Store, Google Play, and we have a site, FragoComics.com, which is just kind of has some information about us and gets you to the stores. All right, Martin Fleischman, CEO and co-founder of Frago Comics. Great fun to have you. Thanks for stopping by and joining us. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Thanks. Uh, good luck to you. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for now. On behalf of our guest, Marty Fleischman, my co host Ashley Staggs. I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you next week on The Incubator. You've been listening to The Incubator, recorded from the Wella offices, direct from the Atlanta Tech Village. This broadcast is a partnership between the Intrepid Now Media Network and Hypopotamus, and made possible by Wella, helping you on your financial journey every step of the way. The Incubator is directed by Andrea Risk and produced by Floyd Fischel. You can find The Incubator on iTunes, and leaving a rating and review on iTunes will be appreciated by all. Again, you've been listening to The Incubator. The show will return next week. We'll see you then.